And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Welcome to Paul Verhoeven's day. All right. That my are favorite day. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, my favorite day behind President's Day and Flag Day. So, and but, my half birthday, which, which I was celebrated. a couple days ago. I yes. You're, you're halfway to uh, to 42. I don't know about you, <laughs> yeah. but I'm feeling 42. <laughs> oh, that's a good number. That's yeah, a great I can, number. I can see your knees deteriorating as we speak. Oh, so. motherfucker, dude. When I, I swear to God, now I just sit here and my knee hurts. <laughs> it, used to, it used to have to be step, but now yeah. it just, just, just being alive makes it hurt. It sucks. Yeah, I feel that. My knees have been deteriorating since I was like 15. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have a guest today, Zach. Ooh, I like guests. Do you want to introduce him? <laughs> <laughs> I only know him as Rob at DigiFluid. <laughs> How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on again, guys. Yeah. Nice to see you. Thanks for jumping the gun. We were going to introduce you, but that's uh, okay. It happens. You're an eager little beaver. You just got to okay. stop being so funny, Justin. Everyone laughs no. at all your jokes. You're like the that's coolest guy in the, in the world. I laugh that's at everything you say. <laughs> You're a terrific audience. <laughs> terrific audience. <laughs> we know yes. Walters. We don't know Walters over here. We're the ones who laugh at everything you say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Walter always giving me that side eye. He's not impressed with my comedy. <laughs> I have it on, on tape, on videotape. Uh, but Happy New Year, everyone. It is January 1st. It's also my Uncle Richard's birthday. He was the first baby born in Merced County, circa 1955, I believe, is when he was born. It's kind of exciting to be the first baby born in your county, but that's I like that it's there. happy birthday, Richard. <laughs> I like that. Up. I like that it's circa. We're not really sure. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I think it's fifty-five. I don't remember. I think my mother is three years older than him. So, what can you do? Anyway, yeah. uh, yes, happy New Year to all. Happy New Year, guys. C- kind of sad about Betty White, huh? Yesterday. Oh, I know. Especially like. Well, I like to think it's good comedic timing. That's what I'm telling myself, that mm-hmm. she just did that magazine spread about her 100th birthday coming up, and then she passes away before it comes out. Oh, I like no. to think that that is her sense of humor. That works for me, man. That was sad. Yeah. I, I saw that tweet was like three days before she passed away. That was sad. Like, mm. no. I mean, I can, I can appreciate the irony, but uh, it still made me sad. She was actually born, I think, in 1922. My grandma was born in 1918. And okay. but my grandma only lived to be ninety one and a half. That's still in July. That still is a full still, life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. She has I, some amazing stories. One mm-hmm. of the tweets that I saw that I really liked was I admittedly wasn't a huge Betty White fan, but that's not because I didn't you know respect her or anything like that. I just didn't watch Golden Girls and I wasn't obsessed with it. But I thought she was such a such a delight and so funny and so sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the tweets that I saw said, um, "I want to live my life." until I'm 99 and still feel like I died too young. 
Yeah, so, I saw that one too. That was nice. So, it was something along those lines, but I mean, that yeah. it totally makes sense. And and the other, the other ones that were kind of comedic and kind of like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Because she lived through like 24 leap years. It's like, let's just call her a hundred because <laughs> that's bullshit. Her birthday was like January, <laughs> mid January. January. So she had so many leap 17th. years. Yeah. yeah. She had so many leap years and fuck it. She, she's a hundred. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, she's a, she was a, quite the pioneer too, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was like the first um, female to star in a in a sitcom. She, I think, she was like the first female producer. Mm-hmm. She holds a Guinness record for, I think, a uh, longest uh, television career for a female comedian or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. First woman to produce a national television show. First woman to star in a sitcom. First producer to hire a female director, and the first woman to receive an Emmy nomination. Cool. I don't yeah. know what show it was, but. One of the shows she was on, someone started giving her some flack because she had a black co-star. Mm-hmm. And her response to that was, too bad, we're giving him more screen time, mm-hmm. which was yeah. fabulous and so pioneering back then. Yeah, it's just like Mr. Rogers. Those people are cut from a different cloth. 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Um, yeah, so what have you guys been watching Go bringing yourself into the new year? So I watched a lot, uh, had a very weird low key holiday, but that's okay. But I watched licorice pizza in the theaters, the new Paul Thomas Anderson film. It was weird. I was one of like eight people in the theater and I was laughing. Um, I got bored, but I really liked it a lot. I think, um, if I, <laughs> you got I, I bored, but you really liked it. <laughs> so it's hard. It's, it's very much a hangout film, which is so different from PTA's other films. Cause Boogie Nights is one of my favorites, right? There will be bloods incredible. And so <clears throat> to see this kind of film, It's just so melancholy at moments, but it's also a fun film. And I didn't grow up in San Fernando. I didn't grow up in California. So I think, Justin, you might relate better to it. But I do want to watch it again because it is a tour de force of acting and and just filmmaking in general. Uh, It's... I recommend it for, for anybody to watch it and kind of make your opinion. I've, I've been trying to find people to talk with uh, about it and I haven't been able to. So they're like, what, what is that? <laughs> so uh, I watched that. I watched the matrix resurrections in theaters. I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it was the best by any means, but I think it was better than revolutions, but won't get into that too much. I watched the Santa Claus uh, with Tim Allen. I watch it's a wonderful life. That's my new tradition now on Christmas to make me just cry out all my, all my sadness. <laughs> And then I finally finished Hawkeye and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And they did a, a good job of dealing with grief in that in that uh, series. So I thought it was fun. I watched Return of the King because always. And then I watched Death to 2021 on Netflix, which is an hour long kind of uh, mockumentary style thing that gives you a recap of uh, 2021. And it was hilarious. I recommend it to everybody because it has a lot of famous actors who play fictional characters talking Hugh Grant, Lucy Liu, Joe Keery. It was so funny. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout because I was bored last night and I wanted to watch something before midnight. So why not watch (laughs) Fallout? Watch Henry Cavill just reload his arms and beat the shit out of people. And then Succession season three. And if you guys have you guys seen Succession at all? I have not. Oh, my God. My family watches it, but I don't. I think you guys will like it. Although, Justin, the one caveat I'll say is you don't like uh, you don't like awful people. And these people are awful in this. But the reason (laughs) I I kid you not, like this is going to be in the pantheon of, of great TV shows. It's it's utterly remarkable that the performances, the you know, the acting, the screenwriting, uh, it's very much like a Shakespearean play. Uh, I think King Lear or Macbeth or something. And holy shit, it uh, it just keeps ramping up. Season three ended on an uh, amazing cliffhanger. 
I am such a fan. Rumors are that season four will be their final season, but it is, uh, yeah, the oligarchy, all that bullshit. So I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it to everybody. Succession is, is unbelievable TV. I can't say enough about it. So sorry. <laughs> I yield my time. <laughs> all right. That is a lot of stuff to watch. The Liquor's Pizza, did you have to watch that like an art house theater or were you able to go to like our AMC to watch it? I went to an AMC. Uh, okay. The one up in Linwood has a lot of screens. I think they have like 16 or 19 or something like that. And it's a lot of screens. They have, yeah, they they have an artisan series. So they even have foreign films too. But oh. uh, I have the A-list. I'm getting rid of it because there's nothing really mm. coming out in January other than Scream. Uh, that's all I really uh, want to watch anyways. So um, I canceled it and I'll start it back up in the summer. All right. Cool. What about, what about you, Rob? Oh, I watch a lot too. I just thought I'd narrow this down a little bit. Uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, I uh, went and saw Spider-Man No Way Home and it was a freaking blast. I loved it. Um, it's one of those movies where I come out of it thinking I enjoyed it. And then the more you think about it after the fact and the more you chat with other people about it, the more you like it. So Tons and tons of fun. I think that might be my my pick for movie of the year that I saw anyway. I uh, saw Matrix Resurrections, which was... Not as good. Not so good, <laughs> let's, let's just say. Uh, <laughs> uh, last couple days, I did a little bit of rewatching. I um, sat down and rewatched uh, the Charlize Theron movie, Atomic Blonde, which is fantastic i think it's just the best spy movie in many many years and puts a lot of even bond to shame and i'm a bond fan <laughs> um and uh sat down and watched uh ren the other day too the akira kurosawa film sweet which is always a good time uh over on tv uh been watching the last season of the expanse as it comes out every week the first season of the new fantasy series wheel of time uh premiere of Book of Boba Fett, which was okay, but maybe not as good as it could have been. And uh, I'm about halfway through the new season of Cobra Kai right now, and that is just a ball. I love that show. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I'm trying to slow play that one because I know, because I binge Succession, and I'm like, damn it, I really want to watch Cobra Kai, but I started The Witcher per Justin's recommendation because he's been oh. streaming about it, and I was like, I don't get it, the first episode. And That's so right. It got I better forgot. towards the end, though, so I'll, I'll do that. But. I forgot there's a new season of that. I still got to see that. Yeah. And season two is linear. Season one has some oh, weird time God. jump thing, but I, I hated yeah. that in season one. <laughs> yeah, it, I was telling Zach it's a big ask because it doesn't clear up the time jump mm-hmm. until like the second, like the penultimate episode, and you're like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is even happening right now? But yeah, that was, that he's was such my a experience. badass though. Uh, Henry Cavill is just so good. Like, I I, I was kind of lost for a while, I was like, eh, and then I got more interested towards that battle at the end when he just owns like the 12 guys that try to attack him. I'm like, yeah, oh, in the shit. village. It's crazy. <laughs> he just holds his sword like down for some reason. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. He's, I got uh, a kick out of. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just, I got a kick out of uh, people just kind of around the time first season came out, just kind of making the observation that Geralt doesn't really hate specific things or specific people. He's just mad about people asking him to do things in general, yeah. <laughs> which made me laugh. <laughs> He's, he's an errand boy a lot of times. <laughs> My favorite is how he'll always, every time he makes a mistake, which is quite often, he'll be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a meme. That's a meme that I see all the time. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah. And like every episode, he's just like, fuck. <laughs> it's so simple. It works. I know. It's pretty great. 
He's a super fan of The Witcher as well. He read all the books. He played all the games. Yeah, Um, he's a big nerd, apparently, which is Yeah, super nerd. What have you been watching, Justin? uh, Whatever. I watched The Matrix Resurrections, which I actually watched like four in the morning at like volume six with the closed (laughs) captions on while I was holding my baby. (laughs) The Uh, opposite of how it's intended to be I know. (laughs) I mean, I didn't hate it or anything like that. Um, I was just kind of along for the ride, and uh, it was fine. And then uh watched Lord of the Rings. Uh, last night I watched Sicario. Hmm. Uh, good pick. Favorite movie of, of 2021 is Sicario. And then, um, which I think it has been since like 2016. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, then Mind. I watched that last night. And uh, Cobra Kai, which I also plowed through. Got up early in the morning uh, <laughs> and uh, just couldn't turn it off. Oh, uh, although man. I will say my buddy Josh, he came over. I had 13 minutes left of the final episode. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He swung by to deliver some Christmas presents. It was great. And uh, he's like, hey, what are you watching? I'm like, Cobra Kai. He goes, oh, well, you almost done? I'm like, I got 13 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that was great. Uh, love the show. There's so many cool nods. There's even one part where uh, during the during the tournament, uh, a girl kicks another girl in the face the same way Johnny Lawrence does in the first movie. And uh, and then when he walks back to the sidelines, there's like a secret handshake high five kind of thing. And this girl does that with Johnny in the show, too. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like from the first movie. You mean the illegal kick? (laughs) No, it's not illegal. (laughs) Not according to the All Valley Karate Tournament. That's the crane kick. This is a different kick. Oh, okay. Uh, Sure, we'll go with that. Do you even karate, man? I've never been to the All Valley Tournament, though. I've been to the Skagit Valley Tournament. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Karate right. isn't a hobby; it's a way of life. Yeah, it is in the valley. <laughs> you better believe it. Uh, it's good shit, though. I loved it. I'm I'm excited for season five. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm thrilled. They already have a season five coming. That's yeah. I think they start yeah. filming like next week or something like that. So nice. That's exciting stuff. Uh, but this week we are hopping in our little time machines and we are going all the way back to 1987 to watch RoboCop, directed by Paul Verhoeven who you might know from Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, all the good ones, Starship <laughs> Troopers, and Hollow Man, which is terrible, by the way. I hate that yeah, movie. it is. It's so bad. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. No, it is uh, not good. Stay away from that one. Uh, it was written by Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner, and the cast includes one, Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Ronnie Cox, Kurtwood Smith, Miguel Fierre, and Paul McCrane, who you might know from ER. He was Dr. Romano. For all you ER fans out there. Sure. Uh, critical reception. It was kind. Uh, this movie has a whopping 90% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there. Wow. Uh, which is pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was expecting a lot lower uh, just because <laughs> people are people. Depeche Mode. And uh, <laughs> Depeche Mode. That wasn't the case. <laughs> Uh, but Dave Kerr from Chicago, our buddies in Chicago. Oh boy, he, he did not like it. He says, <laughs> of course, <laughs> <laughs> RoboCop relies for most of its impact and more disturbingly for much of its comedy on an absurd exaggeration of physical force. Wow, that's quite a sentence. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Michael Wilmington from Los Angeles. Uh, he says, Verhoeven strong suits have always been visual energy and rebelizing realism a gutsy jovial way of ripping through social systems how about that hmm. and then james 
Berardinelli from Real Views says, a sci-fi action film with a silly title that turned out to be a biting satire of big business practices. I think that's fair. That's I think very that fair. Is, that is an astute <laughs> observation, James. Hi, mm-hmm. mate. You're going places. True story. The budget was $13 million, and it grossed $53.4 million in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend, it did a whopping $8 million, and that was on July 19th, 1987. And then the worldwide numbers are the same as $53.4 million. Am I misreading that, or did it only make $700 overseas? I didn't see a $700 overseas. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, just uh, the difference between the two? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Didn't even didn't even bother rounding up, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think the numbers are accurate. Yeah, we can only trust the internet for so much. Um, cool. Uh, do I read trivia? Is this the part where I read trivia? I mean, this is my first show, so I don't know. Yes, you um, can do right. the trivia. Here's some fun, fascinating things that Justin created himself. Most shots That's of rope. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a control C, control V situation. Control Z. Back to the beginning. Uh, Most shots of Robocop and the police car show him getting out or preparing to get in. Peter Weller didn't fit into the police car in full costume. When he needed to be in the car, he wore the top part of the costume and sat in his underwear. (laughs) To maintain the (laughs) illusion that Robocop wears the entire suit while inside a car, most shots show his robotic feet exiting first. I also heard from Minty that, yeah, he, for the second one, they made it more... I think like carbon fiber, whatever they made the suit uh, to make mm. it lighter. So he could actually wear the entire thing. And a lot of the shots of him walking and stuff, he would just be in his underwear too. So it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. The Robocop suit, the Robocop suit was so hot and heavy that Peter Weller was losing three pounds a day from water loss. Eventually an air conditioner was installed in the suit. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> There's a weight loss plan for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the screenplay had been offered to and rejected by virtually every big director in Hollywood before Paul, Paul Verhoeven uh, got a hold of it. He threw it away after reading the first pages, convinced it was just a dumb action movie. His wife, Martine, read it all the way through and convinced him that the story was layered with so many satirical and allegorical elements, leading Verhoeven to direct the film. The special effects were generated with a Commodore Amiga computer, and that is awesome. The repeated line, I'd buy I'd buy that for a dollar, comes from Cyril M. Kornbluth's short story, The Marching Morons, which presents a similarly cynical view of an over-commercialized future that's desensitized to violence and war. A radio game show in that short story uses the, uses the line, I'd buy that for a quarter, as its signature phrase. Finally, the studio decided that Rob Botten would be the ideal person to create the RoboCop suit as he just finished doing the special effects for The Thing, one of my favorite movies of all time. I got two posters up there. So nice. cool. Do you guys say Nobody Botten or, has or Botten? two posters. I don't know. <laughs> it's brand new. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Back to the Future 1 fans. Uh, I say I say Bo- or I say what do I say? I would I would say Botten. I say Botten. Yeah, I say yeah. Botten. Yeah, I say Botten. Actually, I heard Botine uh, was was one of them too. But we Botan had that conversation like, once. I know, and I forgot how I said it. Of the Apes or something. <laughs> I don't remember. We did. Oh, we didn't do the thing. We did something else. But yeah, I was wondering about the I'd buy that for a dollar when I was watching it. So that's I actually uh, asked that's him a good bit of interview. trivia there. Yeah, I asked him in an interview, Ed Newmeyer. I'm like, hey, when you wrote I'd buy that for a dollar, did you realize that that was going to become like a, or did you think it could possibly be like a pop culture phenomenon or something everyone says? And because uh, I was like, I guarantee you, everyone on that side of the camera has said it at least a thousand times. Yeah, <laughs> all of my friends, you know. 
and uh and he's like yeah i just thought we needed something for a sitcom and i'm like oh, they all had catchphrases in sitcoms and so it made sense <laughs> did i do that oh god exactly <laughs> <laughs> did I do that? oh boy yeah Okay. Uh, well, another fun thing too is true. that Ed two hundred nine is named after Ed Newmeyer too. That's right. Oh, okay. Uh, also, they wanted Arnold for uh, RoboCop, but for Murphy, but he was too big, so the yeah. suit would have been even even larger. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? Like, can you imagine Arnold RoboCop? He'd be like seven feet across the chest. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty crazy. So Peter I Weller, heard that, um, Michael Ironside was also he was because, Michael yeah. Ironside, um, the guy who plays Dexter's dad. I always forget his name. Oh, but he's been in a lot of other movies. Yeah, he's been in a lot of other movies too. Uh, and then also um, there's another person I can't, I think like Tom Selleck or something like that. But uh, Peter Weller had just done you, Buckaroo Banzai. And so they were Robocop like, Robocop with the Tom Selleck mustache. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> It'd be all talking. sexy. He'd be like, hey, freeze punk. Ha. Especially, especially <laughs> if you Tom saw Selleck. it and, and like, cause you know, his mouth is open. Yeah. It'd be even more amazing <laughs> if he saw his mustache. <laughs> Under the helmet. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm like, isn't that Monica's boyfriend? What the hell? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, for anyone who hasn't seen RoboCop, I don't know why you're listening to this episode, but you probably should watch it. So here's the synopsis. Hell yeah. In a near future dystopia, Detroit is on the brink of societal and financial collapse. Overwhelmed by crime and dwindling resources, the city grants the megacorporation Omni Consumer Products, or OCP, control over the Detroit police force. OCP senior president Dick Jones... Pete Jones demonstrates ED-209, a law enforcement droid designed to uh, supplant the police. Ed-209 malfunctions and brutally kills an executive, allowing ambitious junior executive Bob Morton to introduce the chairman, the old man, to his own project, RoboCop. Meanwhile, Officer Alex Murphy is transferred to the Metro West Precinct. Murphy and his new partner, Ann Lewis, pursue notorious criminal Clarence Bodiger and his gang, Emil Antonowski, Leon Nash, Joe Cox, Steve Min. There should be an and in there. They ambush and torture Murphy until Bodiger fin- uh, fatally shoots him. Morton has Murphy's corpse converted into Robocop, a powerful and heavily armored cyborg with no memory of his former life. Robocop has three prime directives. Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, and uphold the law. A fourth prime directive, Directive 4, is classified. Robocop is hailed by the media for his brutally efficient campaign against crime. Lewis suspects he is Murphy, recognizing the unique way he holsters his gun. During maintenance, Robocop experiences a nightmare of Murphy's death. He leaves the station and encounters Lewis, who addresses him as Murphy. While on patrol, Robocop arrests Emil, who recognizes Murphy's mannerisms, furthering Robocop's recall. Robocop arrests Emil and uses the police database to identify his associates and review Murphy's police record. Robocop recalls further memories while exploring Murphy's former home, his wife and son having moved away following his death. Elsewhere, Jones gets Boddicker to murder Morton in revenge for Morton's attempting to usurp his position at OCP. Robocop tracks down Boddicker, the Boddicker gang, and a shootout occurs. He brutally assaults Boddicker, who confesses to working for Jones. Robocop attempts to kill Boddicker until his programming directs him to uphold the law. He attempts to arrest Jones at OCP Tower, but Directive 4, a failsafe measure to neutralize Robocop when acting against an OCP executive, is activated. Jones admits his culpability in Morton's death and releases the ED-209 to destroy Robocop. Although he escapes, Robocop is assaulted by the police force on OCP's orders and is badly damaged. Lewis helps Robocop escape to an abandoned steel mill to repair himself. Angered by OCP's underfunding and short staffing, the police force goes on strike, and Detroit descends into chaos as riots break out throughout the city. 
Jones frees Boddicker and his remaining gang, arming them with high-powered weaponry to destroy Robocop. At the steel mill, Boddicker's men are quickly eliminated, but Lewis is badly injured and Robocop becomes trapped under steel girders. Even so, he kills Boddicker by stabbing him in the throat with his data spike. I did not know it was called a data spike. Robocop <laughs> yeah, it's confronts... like his USB stick. They it's a really sharp USB stick. <laughs> it doubles as a weapon, see? It only goes in one way, though, so that's they're already ahead of us there. That's true. Uh, Robocop confronts Jones at OCP Tower during a board meeting, revealing the truth behind Morton's murder. Jones, in order to escape, takes the old man hostage but is promptly fired from OCP, thus nullifying Directive 4 and allowing Robocop to shoot him. The old man compliments Robocop and asks his name. Robocop replies, Murphy. I wanted him to say the name's Murphy, but it's okay. <laughs> The Murphy. <laughs> the Murphy. Part two. So that is Robocop. It's a great do you, film. Uh, do you need a glass of water after that long synopsis? <laughs> no, I'm used to it. I'm not wearing my teeth aligner, so it doesn't dry my mouth out as much when I talk that long. I know some of them are really long. Oh, my that was God. A, that was a very, very good synopsis, though. Yeah. yeah. Hit all the key major points without dragging on too much. We've had some really awful synopsises that we took from Wikipedia that were either way too short for a long movie or way too long for a very short movie. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. I, think, I still think my favorite is Halloween Kills. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like uh, Michael Myers kills people, goes to his house, credits. Yeah. <laughs> got a fire in here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So stupid. Anyway, when did you first see RoboCop and what were your first impressions? Rob, go. Oh, well, I know I said something kind of similar last time you guys invited me on, but this is another one I saw when I was super young, and I think probably a little bit too young, if we're being honest, uh, because when I was a kid, there was that um, RoboCop cartoon that was on TV, um, and someone, I, I would guess my dad, but I don't actually know, thought it was fine for me to see the movie since I was watching the cartoon anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and when you come out of this movie as a kid, or at least for me, um, it feels very, uh, I guess the word would be uh, kind of fantastical, maybe it doesn't, you, you don't quite get, you know, the themes of consumerism and whatnot when you're young, and you kind of grow into that as, as you get older. But as a kid, I mean, the pure spectacle of a big shiny robot stomping around the city and taking out bad guys, that was pretty badass. Agreed. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I was young also, and I agree for me it was just a shoot 'em up action film and the and the most scarring thing for me was the Emil Toxic Avenger look that really just resonated with me and I was like <laughs> why did I fucking watch this but I also had a couple RoboCop toys when I was a kid and I I vaguely remember the cartoon just because I was absorbing as many cartoons as I could when I was young and like I said this movie was was made when I was born so it it took a while for me to watch it but I'd probably say I don't know around 8 years old let's just say but uh but yeah, upon rewatch, as I got older and my, my brain developed more, I fucking love this film. So Nice. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. So I, was, <laughs> I just turned seven. My mother took us, uh, me and Christ, my sisters. Justin. Oh, I know. And the coolest thing in the world is being able to tell Ed Newmeyer that my parents win like parents of the year because my mom took me to see this when I was seven years old. And uh, when at the beginning, when Ed 209 just lays into that executive. <laughs> She's like, maybe we should go. And I, without even looking at her, I just put my hand on her arm. And I'm like, it's okay, Mom. I, I got this. I can do this. And then, uh, yeah, it was great. This is fucking nuts. And uh, it's just been a, like a staple in our household ever since. My, my parents were always pretty liberal about, you know, the arts, as it were. We were all yeah. pretty, pretty clever and were able to separate, you know, 
fiction from reality and yeah. you know we didn't really suffer from like nightmares or anything like that and we never hurt other kids or and got into trouble so um we couldn't blame the movies as it were <laughs> so. jesus i know i turned out all right right uh, <laughs> no no Expla- it explains a lot so. it does a little bit <laughs> i've never been to jail i turned out fine oh boy yeah. you know what though i'm i can i can say that i am not a gun guy you know like uh, yeah I, I I watch some pretty hardcore violent movies, and uh, a lot of them have the pistolas and and the bang bang shoot them up. And Sorry. I'm just I'm just I'm not a gun guy. I, I don't like them. I know how to clean one. I know how to take apart a handgun. Or my dad, super gun guy, but I just it never stuck with me. So um, that's just not my thing. So yeah, I, I mean it's. It's not super common here, so I am not a gun guy either. And uh, <laughs> you being able to take one apart puts you way the heck ahead of me. Yeah. When uh, we play Call of Duty or something, my buddy Josh, the same one that came over with 13 minutes left to go in the final episode of season four of Cobra Kai, he <laughs> will we'll be not playing a game. That one go. And he'll be like, Yo, what do you got? Uh, he's like, You got the Foz or do you got this? You got that? I'm like, I don't know. I got the one that shoots bullets. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know the names of any of the guns. I'm like, I don't know. It's yeah. black. It's. Yeah, I think most of my, one hand. I think most of my gun knowledge comes from playing Counter Strike in high school. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I so I have about five hundred hours logged of Call of Duty Warzone with friends, and I still don't remember the names of the guns at times. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's that uh, the flashy thing. They're like, you mean like the the SAS or something like that? And I'm like, yeah, that sure, thing. why not? <laughs> you know, it's got a sixteen round clip. I'll tell you everything else. I'm just like, I don't know the fucking name, but I do it with Halo too. I've been playing Halo a lot, and then I'm like. Oh. But I have friends who are gun nuts, and it's funny, they were talking about it, too. They're part of my Halo group, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, I just got a new golden gun and an RCP-90, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Made for a, a laugh, but... Yeah, I like the heroin gun that shoots all the needles at people. Whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. That one's fun. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's great. I'm glad we all saw this at a very young age, and then as we grew up, we were able to understand the movie a little bit more which I think is important because there's a lot to it. I mean, there is that one critic said, you know, it's a silly name, RoboCop. But when you when you peel back a couple of layers, I do think that there is a lot to to digest in this movie. So uh, now, how would you rate the visual effects in RoboCop? Are they top notch for 1987? And would you say that they still hold up in 2022? Rob? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I still really like them. And I know it's not hardcore realistic or anything but it's it's very um i gotta put it uh it's very of the time action movie you see the the blood remind me of the name of the pack things again squibs squibs, squibs. the way they're just exploding out of people's backs and fronts i mean that's that's <laughs> like that's every arnold or stallone hit movie in the 80s that's uh die hard 2 you guys just did that a few weeks ago same thing there maybe not quite so extreme but you know same same kind of stuff. And, you know, it's fun. The The gunplay and pyrotechnics, they're they're very identifiably 80, 80s action movie, but they're still fun to watch. Right. Um, I think the only or one of the only things that I don't think stands up particularly well is um, it, it seems or, or at least it looks like uh, Ed 209 was animated in stop motion. Yeah, he was a model. really hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he falls down the stairs. It was literally yeah, just, they, they built like these little mini stairs and they just chucked the, the model down it to make him fall. That yeah, really and cool. yeah, stop stop motion unless it's really, really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think, think when he's the... in the office setting, though, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. just when he's chasing when Robocop. When he's chasing cool. and that bit where Robocop uses his one arm to blow off his other arm, that looks kind of shitty, too. Mm-hmm. But, oh, well, what can you do? It's a 30-year-old movie. Right, right. All right, Zach, what about you? I absolutely... So, yeah, I, the practical effects is what I more want to talk about because, like, Rob Button is, is just absolutely fantastic with, with what he does. But, yeah, the visual effects, I mean... Sure, they're a product of their time, just like Rob was saying. And I love that shit, though, because this came out again, you know, 87. This came out the years like Total Recall was near there. Um, uh-huh. We had like the Running Man, pretty much a lot of Arnold films. And we had that futuristic tech like where he's, you know, bring the LED and he's trying to track the pen and targeting people. And even the, like the thermo thermogenics or whatever, when he walks by and you can see the people through the wall. It looks so shitty. It's just like in Total Recall when they walk through the, <laughs> Dude, you know, the, the X-ray airport. Thing. The, yeah, they put, I fucking they put, love it. They had naked people and they just put like um, thermal body paint on them. <laughs> really? That's how they, yeah, that's how they did it. That's they, incredible. Rather, rather I didn't than know buy that. a that's camera amazing. that could do like infrared, yeah, they just, they just painted naked people with... Uh, with paint <laughs> and i think there's something to be said i'm not a filmmaker uh but i think there's something to be said about that is is having a problem and finding a solution to to creating it so obviously now you know we have the technology where you can just plug it into a computer or whatever they do hack it in like chloe in uh, smallville but um they can create it really easily but it's so cool to be able to see the techniques that they can use and just the workarounds for it but i mean I don't mind the visual effects because I grew up on it and it doesn't look horrible. Like we before no. this, we were talking about the Matrix Revolutions, which is a 2003 film, but that shit, that CGI is awful. You know, mm-hmm. the 99 film has better CGI and that came out four years before that. So like it's it's, it's just so interesting where they, they learn to cut corners. And in this film, I don't really feel like it's it's distracting or anything. But yeah. right. I think a couple of things that really help is his POV kind of looks like a video camera. Yeah. You know? Um, so they're already using something that exists. They're not creating anything. So I think that that helps a lot. And then uh-huh. I think when he's going into the database, it's all stuff that, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a cop car or anything like that, but a lot of their technology always seemed kind of dated, you yes. know, like it's an old computer that's in a car that's been there for like six or seven years. And then anyone that's ever like had a gaming PC, they want to upgrade their shit like every year or two, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, this yeah, isn't cutting yeah. it anymore. But I mean, with the technology that they have in a broke ass police station, it, it looked kind of futuristic, but also push button technology at the time, like how yeah. Alien is, you know, it has like the yeah. sort of retro vibe to it, but in a futuristic way, which I think um, always yeah. works to sell it, you know? Yeah. And they even do little almost kind of subtle touches, like when they're first rebuilding him into RoboCop and they've got the guy with the drill coming at the camera going yeah, to the yeah. corners so cool. and, yeah. the, and the grid zooms in a that little was bit awesome. more every time he drills. I, like, I loved it. I'm like, what, yeah. <laughs> what setting <laughs> does he need to drill and it zooms in on? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And then I like the um, the the facial recognition software mm-hmm. when, he, when it's when he's identifying Emil and then all of his... <laughs> it's like mouth, nose, eyes, ears. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, in a way though, it works. Like it, Like it would just be... It's basically we're watching a buffer is ultimately what's happening. But it's I think it looks really cool. And I and I really dug it. And I liked how once it knew who he was, it then showed all of his affiliate and like his associates That's and neat. what they're wanted yeah. for and everything. It's like and 1987 kinda, Wikipedia. Yeah, 100%, right? <laughs> and uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, Dude, so I, I dug it. I was, I was on board. And then like you, Rob, same, and Zach with um, just the, the squibs and the blood effects. I, I honestly think it was RoboCop that set the standard for like violence and what you can get away with. Like any, any other movie before that, 
or any, actually any movie that came out after that, I was always like, well, it's violent, but it's not RoboCop violent. And, <laughs> and like when I watched Die Hard 2, you know, the 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 exit wounds explosions. We were just talking about this a couple weeks ago on our Die Hard 2 episode. It was way more in your face where people getting shot uh, and it mm-hmm. showed the explosive effects of, of, you know, just blood escaping their body and everything. And Total Recall, same thing. Both were like in 1990. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, obviously, Total Recall is a Paul Verhoeven film. And like when that when they're going up the escalator and that one guy's a, a human shield <laughs> meat shield shot like six thousand times. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's that's hardcore, dude. That's uh, that's probably the guy's cousin from fucking RoboCop that got shot up and uh, into an eye. You should, should just have like a Kenny, basically like a South Park Kenny in every Paul Verhoeven film, where just one guy, the same actor, just keeps coming back and just gets annihilated a thousand. Oh, Paul, like a Paul Sean Ver- Bean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, Paul, Paul Verhoeven shared universe. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Total Recall's in the future. The guy who got shot in the elevator is like the grandson of the guy who got shot in the office in RoboCop. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, you're right. The, I think the visual effects are, are pretty awesome. And as I was watching it, um, you know, just the other day, I'm just like, fuck, this movie's so cool. I love mm. it. So. Um, so RoboCop, Total Recall, and Starship Troopers all feature scenes where live action news helps set the stage for the story. Personally, I always love these scenes as they somehow legitimize what I'm watching on screen. Uh, it almost makes it real. What are your thoughts on this storytelling technique? Is is this a cheap trick or a fun way to deliver expository info and clues as to where the story is headed? Zach. I absolutely love it. And I think it's a hallmark of all of his films. It's trademark, you know. He... In those three movies in particular, because it, does, it doesn't happen in Hollow Man or Showgirls or anything, but it's Paul Verhoeven's on the nose way of just explaining his thoughts on, let's say, like fascism or capitalism or or ultra violence in America and how we're desensitized to it, for example. Um, I love how the movie starts because it immediately goes to the news source. Uh, very much akin to like how Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns, where he uses the talking head news panels. Uh, he actually it's. It's it's been said that he gained that um, he watched RoboCop and he saw all this and that's how um, it was inspiration for the Dark Knight Returns in the sense of that little aspect. But anyways, it always um, takes me ten years to read those pages too. By the way, because the text is so fucking small, it is <laughs> so many words on those yeah. pages. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, skipping, skipping, skipping. I, I I've read through it a I couple like it. times, but the first time I read it, second time I'm like, nope, yeah. <laughs> moving on. I love they the did, a, they did a good job of it in the uh, animated movie. They did, they did a, a very good ago. job. They did a very good job. I thought it was great. And uh, Peter Weller actually plays the voice of Bruce Wayne in that film. Mm-hmm. Surprise, uh-huh. surprise. Frank Miller also uh, wrote uh, Robocop 2 and 3. Oh, that's so, right. He did too. Yeah, which are not good. No, I, like, I, I don't I like, I like two. two. I don't mind two. But, I like uh, two. So, so one thing, so, okay, like the commercial about the hearts, right? The artificial hearts. I think this is so fascinating because, you know, remember, we care about you. So call this number and give us money. And I think <laughs> that is is a summation of, of basically how every ad is. Think about all these, these uh, drug ads that we see that are like, here at Pfizer, we want to take care of you, blah, blah, blah. And we want to end COVID. Yeah, I, I truly believe that there are some that want that, but they're like, also pay us some money. So it's it's just so fascinating because I think he just really hits the nail on the head with that, where all of our commercials that we see, get the fuck out of here. You don't care about it. You care about like this, <laughs> making all this money on this artificial heart. And yeah, there's financing available. Cool. <laughs> right, financing right. is awful at times. Yeah. So 60 easy payments of yeah, $200. Yeah. I know. So I can get that Ronco roaster that I saw on TV, right? I was but, actually uh, kind of wondering if the artificial heart by Yamaha was product placement. Ooh, <laughs> like yeah. advertising for Yamaha. Yeah. 
Well, and th think about, uh, so like in Starship Troopers, right? The do you want to know more? All of those things. If you strip down Starship Troopers, and I know, Justin, this is one of your favorite movies, and like we did it on a previous podcast, um, it's it's a recruiting aspect, right? The entire film is like, oh my God, yeah. military looks sexy. All these hot co-ed showers with Denise Richards and, and Dizzy, <laughs> whoever she is. Like, this uh, is awesome. Dina Meyer. Dina Meyer, yeah. Dina Meyer, yeah. Dina Meyer, yeah. I get to go kill bugs and have a tattoo. Um, it's, it's, it's just so fascinating, you know, and it's just like that wartime propaganda. Like you can do your part by squishing cockroaches outside sort of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, it's but also I, just going down the rabbit hole too, right? Like, do yeah. you want to know more? How many times yeah. have you started on one article and then at the bottom there's exactly. like, you know, what's Goldie Hawn up to these days? <laughs> it's, it, it's the clickbait before clickbait. Right. Exactly. And, and, and so I think Verhoeven was, was miles and years ahead of, of, of all these people. He just, he, he knew this was going to happen. And then my favorite, my favorite one from the Robocop film was uh, the red alert where yeah. he's like, mom, <laughs> you can't bring forces over here to Pakistan or whatever. And he's like, yeah. don't piss me off and nuke them. I think yeah. that is, is pretty obviously like how our politicians and military just kind of play literally as, as uh, grown men acting as kids with, with bombs. You know, it's just insane to me that we're in this nuclear arms race mm. at, at moments, you know, drop of a hat. Seattle could be gone off the map for some reason. So right. and it's crazy. After they, after they hit the nuke button, they all high five and hug each other. Like, yeah, it's, we, it's, we it's it. fucking crazy. But it's, but I think, I think without those in this film, it would just be a shoot 'em up action. You have some of his, uh, his satirical uh, commentary in it, but those are really, really apparent and in your face. And I think they're very obvious if, if you didn't get them before. Cause like, I don't know when you guys first saw it, I, I just didn't know what the fuck it was. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously subsequent viewings, I was like, okay, that's what, that's what it stands for. And I love it. I loved it until mm -hmm. recall too. I loved all that kind of stuff. Right, and there's like like the interview with with Dick Jones and talking about the police force and them going on strike. Um, you know, it, it, it identifies uh, Omni Consumer Products. It identifies Dick Jones. You know, it puts a a face to the name. It's like a little like a cookie crumb to just kind of get your breadcrumb rather to get you to um, further into the plot. Um, and then same with Total Recall. It was Cohagen, remember? And he's talking about um, you know the violence on Mars and the civil unrest. And it's not, it's a place you don't want to go, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting. So it's definitely cool how they do that. Get your ass to Mars. Exactly. What about you, Rob? Are you a fan? Yeah, man. I, I love these things. I, I actually think it's a really, really shrewd, sly way of doing that kind of storytelling, world building thing while, while hiding that that's what they're doing. Because, you know, if you're not paying attention or a kid or whatever, sometimes they do feel really off topic. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, the idea of, uh, oh, the, uh, the president is up on the space station. Can you imagine the right. president of yeah. the United States being on a space, space shuttle going up to the space station or, <laughs> or, or the one about the weapons platform malfunctioning and lasers zapping half a dozen places <laughs> yeah, around right. Two, two ex-presidents are dead because <laughs> yeah. they lived in Santa Barbara or whatever. Yeah. But oh I mean, God. just, uh, uh, broadly, generally about this, um, there's that little bit of uh, filmmaking wisdom, and I don't remember the exact phrasing, but the effect of it is um, if the scene doesn't uh, propel a story toward its climax, cut it. But I think there's something to be said here for making the setting of your film feel like a living, breathing place, like a real place. And I think these are just terrific for doing that. Right. Yeah, 100%. That's why I was like... You know, somehow these scenes like legitimize what I'm watching and it makes yeah. it feel real because I'm just yeah. like, okay, well, it's on the TV, so it's got to be real, right? <laughs> All right, that was easy. So funny how that works. 
All right, so let's discuss the elephant in the room. You know, we've already talked about the violence as it was, but, you know, this film includes some of the most violent scenes I've ever witnessed in a movie. The blood, guts, and gore are so in your face that it's almost laughable, but it looks a little too real that it's it's kind of disturbing. And to this day, I still get uncomfortable when Clarence Boddicker and his boys just murder Murphy. Like when he's got the shotgun and he's pinned him down and he's going to blow off his hand. I I fucking hate that. And... Uh, yeah. I know uh, Ed Neumeyer and Paul Verhoeven are super fans of violence, and this is clearly a satirical approach on action and violence in film. Did they hit the mark, or did they cross the line, Rob? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna split here, split hairs here just a little bit. Um, all right. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, because I saw movies like this, or Commando, or Terminator, or whatever as a kid, my my tolerance threshold for TV movie violence, gore, etc., is pretty high. I was desensitized at a young age. Um, you know, whether we're talking about the actual gore of Murphy's death, not quite death, or the chemical shower and splattering across the car, uh, it's not really the gory makeup effects that bother me. Um, but they did a, a particularly, uh, I don't know if good is the right word here, uh, but good job uh, with the, uh, the sequence of when they're doing Murphy's murder, the way it's acted by Peter Weller and Kurtwood Smith, the way the bad guy gangs are giggling like hyenas, the, the suspense of how it's drawn out. The gore itself isn't a problem for me, but the way they stage certain scenes like that one is just so... The tone of it is so cruel, and it's that's what makes it uncomfortable for me. Right. It's unsettling. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And like, so the version that I watch is the Criterion Collection version, and it is, it's not edited. And the, the, yeah. this original cut was like, got an X rating, and uh, they had to dial it down. So, you know, when, when Murphy gets uh, shot at one point, his whole arm from the shoulder drops <laughs> off. And, you know, they talk about, you know, save the arm or lose the arm. And you're like, well, then his hand gets shot off. Because in the theatrical, it's just his hand getting shot off. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, like, Ed 209, when he lays into the executive, he, when he's dead on the table, he keeps firing at him and more yeah. holes like yeah. little him, and you're just like, "Holy shit, dude!" So uh, that's pretty hardcore. And I just think even when Murphy gets up after he shoots his hand off, I don't remember in the theatrical version him uh, looking at his arm and mm-hmm. blood pumping out, and, and it kind of splatters his face a little bit because in the theatrical cut, he they're like, "Hey, turn around!" He has blood on his forehead, but you don't see uh, it pumping out of mm. from where his wrist is. And so, like that version is like forever burned into my into my memory. <laughs> now, now, and now I'm wondering which one I have because I, I got the one with the the steel book with the kind of bronze cover. Yeah, so I don't know if that one is the same. Yeah, because uh, because it's it's definitely a longer scene, and yeah. there's close ups of 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 a prosthetic arm yeah. that's severed at the at the wrist, and blood is literally pumping out of it. And getting onto his face, mm. and and he's holding it with his other arm, and it's horrendous. <laughs> and like you know, you mentioned some violent movies, you know, Terminator, Commando, and those are fun. But I don't think that the the violence is the same, and partly because it's a fun shoot 'em up action movie. Whereas in this case, as you're talking about, it's unsettling. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Uh, what about you, Zach? Well, yeah, just to compound on that. So that scene in particular is what I wanted to talk about. 
they, this movie was rated X like 10 times and they had obviously the MPA was like, you have to get it down. And so th- they had to make little minor cuts. So just like you're saying, not focus on the hand shooting out blood, but the scene with Ed 209, they shaved it by three seconds of him, not just filleting the guy on, on the model thing. And that's how they got the R rating. But it's interesting. Cause I watched this really good video of, um, uh, now this nerd is what it's called. They talk about that. And that three seconds that they had, uh, that they cut out from there kind of takes away from what Paul Verhoeven was doing because his ultra violence is supposed to be satirical. It's at that point where you're like, Oh my God, this is out of control, but it's a point where he's trying to say like the violence in the U S we we're desensitized to this. So I'm going to make it so ludicrous and ridiculous. Like he's dead. Why is he still shooting him? <laughs> right, but, right. but the cut that they needed for an R rating makes it seem like, Oh God, that's really gruesome. Not as a, oh, that's really gruesome, but I get it. It's, it's right. excess. So less, is, less is more, and, and it has a bigger impact. And I know yeah. you said you're not a gun guy, but, oh, what is that? That was the Steelbook one? Nice. Um, the, the less is more sort of thing. Like, you're saying, sure, but with, uh, like, you're not a gun guy, but um, I know that if you shoot someone with a shotgun, their arm's not going to blow off of their side. And so, obviously, everything was incredibly extreme, not supposed to be uh, meant for for reality i guess but it does make it interesting because we we live in this world in this detroit that looks insane and so to see all this violence happening around us then to see robocop go um enact justice by killing all these other people or doing different things you know shooting the guys in the dick between the skirt it's almost like justified you're like dude this is great because they are really bad guys and I'll take a little bit of violence with this. So it's so weird because we start to get so used to it. And that's what happens in Starship Troopers too. At, at the end of the film, shit midway through the film, we're like, if we're not seeing bodies getting ripped in half by these bugs, then this, then it just seems odd, right? We're so right. desensitized <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah. The, the beginning of the movie really hammers that in where you're like, <laughs> this is, is going to be a fucked up movie. That you're it's, an, it's an insane movie. You're just like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. And, and that movie actually terrified me more than Robocop because I was just, the, the creatures in that were, were fascinating. Right. But it's it, it, it's so weird, man. Um, Frankly, I find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive. <laughs> but his excess, it's, it's just his way of commenting on how like desensitized we are, like I'm saying, to violence. And in Total Recall, you know, they show on the news, they show the police raiding Mars and straight up murdering people on film as these newscasters are just talking like it's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But, is that any different than what we have seen on news before? I mean, obviously not like that, but we've seen some pretty fucked up shit on news before. So I would argue that it was RoboCop that desensitized me to violence because that's the movie that that escalated to another level. You know, I'd yes. seen Terminator. I'd seen Conan. I've seen all these crazy 80s action movies, but it was RoboCop that that really just said, OK, well, that your action movie's cute and all, but check this shit out. And this is RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> it cranked it off the scale. And then, you know, his follow-up is Total Recall, which is also pretty goddamn graphic. And, uh, you know, like when they're getting, when they're, when they're losing their oxygen and their faces are getting all sucked off and everything, that's, that's pretty gross. Oh you yeah. Know, Arnold, cool. Arnold with the eye bulge. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. The, the guy, the guy on the escalator that's getting all shot up. Richter's arms getting severed. Um, it's, See you it's at the party, fun. Richter. Exactly. <laughs> but that's, and then Starship yeah. Troopers just says, you know what? Fuck all that shit. Let's just put that in the blender and make it even worse. And then, and and for me, in Starship Troopers, 
I was really grossed out when the when the brain bug yes. sucks oh, out yeah. the dude's brain. Just the sound in general. Oh, the, 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 that slurping <laughs> sound that it makes. Yeah, yeah. that was gross. <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm glad I'm done with my popcorn and soda. Like, Chicken sandwich that I'm eating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean... I, I do. I would definitely argue, as I mentioned earlier, like it's pretty violent, but it's not RoboCop violent. And to me, that's what set the new standard and and basically uh, desensitized me to movie violence. Yeah, and I think it becomes it becomes Verhoeven's subversive commentary on, on America's fascination with the violence. But so I, I, I get what you mean by that totally. I don't know if I can pinpoint the movie that desensitized me to violence because I was scared shitless. Like I couldn't watch Halloween H2O when I was a kid because I was terrified. Mm. And then I finally watch him like, I love this so much. Like his head got <laughs> cut off. Yeah. So for me, I, I mean, I, that, that totally makes sense. And it's justified for, for the reasons you're saying. I just know that Verhoeven was was aiming for a certain sense to make it so ludicrous. Like like Rob, you said the Total Recall, the see at the party, Richter. Yeah. I mean, that's not what happens to elevators when it, <laughs> your arms don't get <laughs> s- like sliced like that, and then he just throws them in a comical way. I'm, I'm sorry, Zach. How many Mars elevators have you been on? A lot. <laughs> right. blue, blue skies on Mars. But I mean, the elevator is going to keep going up, and he hit his head uh, on that I think that barrier squished. or whatever. I think so. squished. I don't know. Uh, well, we'll have to see. I mean, what? it's just like a bailer. You know, they say don't stick your hand in a bailer. Because That's true. It's, yeah, it's, it's basically the same concept. Daryl mm-hmm. said I could use the bailer. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So well, I guess well, follow up well, would be. Oh, wait, oh, so can I, oh, sorry. I was just going to say one thing that I think is so fascinating in Verhoeven's films is he has this way of kind of seducing us with violence through through his characters. So um, where the women do the behind shake for the menfolk. There you go. Yeah, actually. Uh, there's a hole in the wall where the men can see it all. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> I've been there. You you have this average Joe, right? This this uh, Peter Weller, who's who's a normal who's a normal cop, or you have average Douglas Murphy, or you have Douglas. Qu- can I finish? Can I finish? No. <laughs> you have Douglas Quaid, who's this gigantic construction worker guy who just dreams to be more. Um, and you have uh, Johnny Rico, who's a normal high school quarterback, beautiful man, but uh, they're average. Hauser when he was the construction worker. <laughs> throwing that in there Uh, Uh, but you know they they have these these illusions of grandeur becoming an action star and and they can pick up a gun and all of a sudden they're just murdering people left and right who hasn't wanted to be rambo or john wick when you're growing up i justin and i talk about the movie the big hit all the time and it's an awful movie but i had like a bag of fake guns and i would carry it around (laughs) this is actually really bad In my house, and I would do like I'd jump from my bed to the other bed because my brother and I shared a room, and I'd be pretending like I'm shooting and stuff. I wanted to be an action star because of this kind of shit. And I think Verhoeven really kind of honed that in, and he seduces us with that violence. And I think it's very apparent in Starship Troopers like, hey, come join us. You get guns and you get sexy babes and bugs. <laughs> Enlist <laughs> bugs. today. Yeah. Yeah. But if that makes any sense, that's kind of what I was, was gunning for. Sure. <laughs> I'm seduced. Not only by the dark side, but by Verhoeven's violence. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I mean, I know, Zach, you mentioned you were grossed out by the toxic waste with Emil. And then, um, Rob, you were also uncomfortable with the the laughing of of the gang as they were murdering poor Murphy. Was there any other standouts where you were just kind of grossed out or uncomfortable during the um, I I absolutely am not a fan of any kind of sexual violence in a movie so even though the guy got what was coming to him when he got shot through her skirt 
by Robocop on his first trip out of the police station, uh, the lead up to that makes me really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. When they're all like heckling her. and mm. Yeah, that's bad. He's like, ma'am, you are in shock. I will notify a crisis. Center. <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I, I didn't I don't like that in any film, too. It just it makes it seem very uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah. The, the Emil scene like we were talking about with the Toxic Avenger. Uh, Murphy dying. It's a, it is a hard scene to watch, especially I think I had the NC-17 or the X-rated version as well, because all the scenes that Justin was talking about, like the extra few seconds, I believe I had that in mind. Yeah, that's and what I was shoot, trying to figure out here. And they shoot him like 30 times. He's like, I'm out of ammo. I mean, it's yeah, the reason they stop shooting is not, you know, mercy or he's dead. No. It's, oh, fuck, I'm out of bullets. Is that a bullets? It's just yeah. crazy. And then surprisingly, and I t- I've talked about this several times, I don't like food in movies or when people eat. And so the baby food, it just looks disgusting to me. And <laughs> something about how it comes out, like the like sound it just it's gross i i i don't know what it is it's, okay. it's, it just bugs me <laughs> there is a there is a word for when you're uncomfortable with the sound of someone chewing or eating i don't know what it is but there is an actual term for it i wonder if that's kind of like a offshoot of that somehow yeah I, and i know that there was that movie the the platform that steve wanted me to watch and, oh yeah and so he kept talking about it and i saw a trailer and i almost got sick just because of all the <laughs> all the fucking binge eating that people had and i was like nope can't do it yeah so, did I'm you sure it's a any, great film but i can't did, do it did you by any chance watch like matilda when you were young with that disgusting yeah, cake sequence that that's that's i actually like matilda a lot but yeah that that point that that uh, part is very hard when bruce brucey tries to eat the cake and yeah like, I, it's hard to watch like i yeah. was like oh god chew your food <laughs> <laughs> i can hear you getting fatter <laughs> One of my favorite things is that Subway is watching people take the first bite of their big old footlong sandwich because they just turn into snakes unhinging their jaw to eat like a big fucking egg and it cracks me up. It's like one of my favorite pastimes is watching people take that first bite of their sandwich. Just shaking as they're eating it. Yeah, they just go for it. They're like, ah, I'm making this. This is going to fit. Jesus Christ. Like square hole round peg. I fucking, or yeah. You get the idea. Well, I know what so, to get you for Christmas again. Subway yeah. gift card. <laughs> they're fucking out. Every time I go, I want to get like the little veggie patty thing, but they're always out. Oh, not my Subway. Not my I don't want to make it. Oh, man. <laughs> it happened to me here. It happened to me twice on my way to Washington as I was going to get married. I was like, oh, man. Fuck Subway. I'm never going back. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I will just watch people through the window as they eat. Jesus. <laughs> With my binoculars. Uh, At its core, big business is the real enemy here. Omni Consumer Products, a.k.a. OCP, wants the citizens of Detroit to think they have their best interests in mind when building new Detroit. Of course, this is all a lie. Lies and deceit. Fast forward to 2022. Which real companies do you think could replace OCP if RoboCop were made today? Zach. So, I mean, I think the obvious ones are like Facebook, Amazon, of course, uh, but then there's some less obvious ones in my opinion, but I'm thinking like cell phone providers. So T-Mobile, uh, AT&T for sure. They, they took over, you know, what, uh, Universal and all those different companies. And then a uh, Comcast of uh, anything. I feel like, or I think it's Xfinity now, whatever. Anyways, where I'm at, you can only really get one type of internet. Uh, you can get CenturyLink or we, we have Google Fi in certain areas, but it's pretty much like Comcast is is monopolized, and if you have a gripe with your internet, it 
it's like tough shit, dude. Who are you going to go to? Where are you going to turn to? Complain. Yeah. Where are you, you going to turn to? And so I could easily see Comcast, you know, owning a police department or something like that. <clears throat> and everyone has those USB sticks now. So um, that that is something that is, is scary. And and same thing with Facebook for, for what it's worth. Uh, the whole metaverse, we're, we're, we're one oh, step closer man. to that, <laughs> that edge. But I could see them taking over something. One quick fun thing. Did you guys hear, it's it's very fast, but on the, uh, Lisa Gibbons, when she's the newscaster in that um, thing, she says, at Lee Iacocca uh, Elementary School. Elementary School, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> and that was awesome, because Lee Iacocca is one of the founders of Ford. He was a big, uh, oh, a okay. big, big wig there. He's, he's hailed as um, like one of the business gurus, and he's written a bunch of books and stuff. They reference him on to do Chrysler. Yes. Yeah. There you oh, go. okay. And so I, I thought it was just so funny because like Detroit, it would make sense, you know, Motor City, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's also kind of a play like all these schools are named after presidents or civil rights leaders. And instead we have Lee Iacocca Elementary School. It'd be like Jeff Bezos Elementary School. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny and, and a nice <sighs> slight in there. But yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's kind of made. That's what kind of made me think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, Amazon has 1.4 million employees. Yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with this one because, I mean, we do tend to veer toward things like Amazon or Facebook or Walmart, even Disney, whoever has the, Disney has these big sense. corporations. But I mean, there's, there, I don't know, there's just something in my head that doesn't quite connect with the kind of uh, callous brutality of the way <laughs> yeah. o, of the way OCP operates. And I kind of got thinking, well, I mean, there's those gigantic defense contractors that you guys have in the States, places like uh, Grumman or Raytheon or whoever else. And they they seem like the type who might, you know, all right, we're going to run this neighborhood now. And we're also going to try out our new military grade robot tech thing stomping around because (laughs) we just invented this thing and we want to see how it works. So that that was kind of where I went on that. Sure, I mean, and that makes sense because you know, like when when Dick Jones is upset with um, with Bob about going over his head, he's like, "Who cares that the fucking thing worked?" You know, like we were talking about you know military contracts yeah, for the next yeah, yeah, ten exactly. years, yeah. bare parts. It was all about just the income that they were going to get off of this yeah. idea, you know, this patent, um, you know, and so that's that's definitely. Uh, one of the things that you learn at a pretty early age in science fiction is anytime a cool invention is made, the question is, well, how can we weaponize it? Right. Yes. So regardless of what it is, whether it be, you know, the uh, a telephone or or a computer or a missile, it's how do we turn it into a weapon? And I think that uh, that is at, at its core. Uh, when 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 Disney is having their meetings about the next fucking Pixar movie, like, well, how can we turn into? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's just something that you have to ask yourself, like with with Amazon and the fucking drones that are delivering packages. Oh gosh, like, have these people seen fucking Terminator? Like <laughs> Skynet, yeah. right? I know, right? And like, uh, I don't know. If, I'm pretty oh, sure you, you guys. Go ahead. I was going to say, did you see that news article the other day about having to reprogram? I think it was Alexa's because it yeah. told some kid to stick a penny in an outlet. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was very interesting. Yeah. It said she she asked Alexa like, hey, truth or dare or something like that or or give me a dare. And and it said, yeah, to put 
the penny on top of the the cord or something like that in the outlet. And parents yeah. like the fuck, right? <laughs> and you know, all the little computers inside the computer are like, dude, check this shit out. This <laughs> it's all connected, right? It worked. Your, your smart stove is talking to your smart refrigerator and, oh and laughing with your smart TV, and they're just like, oh, check and this I'm shit out. Tweeting from my refrigerator. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy how connected everything is, right? Like we were watching. Uh project runway on imdb tv and um that i guess is free through your prime membership or whatever and you know commercials were were appearing and there's an option to buy it on amazon through your tv and i was just mm, like holy yeah. shit dude that pops that up is, on youtube for me too there's now that ads that you can pop up it's like you want a new flannel and i'm like what as i'm wearing a flannel <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah that's crazy um but i mean like data capture right that's one of the big things oh, yeah. right yeah. now so i mean when you know google knows everything uh, every, every every time you go on your phone all of a sudden there's an ad for something that you were just talking about <laughs> yeah. and that that's weird <laughs> that's like, creepy my, my phone knew that we were pregnant before my family knew that we were pregnant <laughs> and i think that is so crazy diapers are on sale <laughs> right and it's like dude we haven't even had the kid yet calm down <laughs> um so it is it is scary so something to think about so anyway for sure um, would you argue that Robocop is human? Is this version of Murphy entitled to basic human rights or is he just a machine and property of OCP? Rob. So I think there's, uh, I, guess, I think there's two ways of coming at this. Oh I mean, my God. Just you could answer. talk about it. You could talk about it, you know, legally, legally he's dead. Legally he signed away his body. There's no wiggle room. This is a giant corporation with an army of lawyers. He's got no rights, but the thrust of the film is the, the, the emotional core of the film is Alex Murphy being dehumanized, treated as less than garbage by Boddicker, dehumanized and treated as property by OCP, but gradually coming back to his humanity until we get to the end where he finally puts it out there, uh, asserts, my name is Murphy. So, I mean, I think, yeah, absolutely. He is a person. He is not just a machine. He is not property. He should have rights. Yeah, that's fair. What about you, Zach? Well, yeah, once he has that sense of autonomy, you know, I think that it's it's definitely you have to you have to broach that subject and you have to figure that he is making choices because he has some sort of semblance of a memory and who he was. He, he's not just a directive driven person and he can make different choices as soon as you can make choices away from the protocol that you have. I think that's when you should start looking at it and being like, yeah. We, he's 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 got a part of human in him so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when he first woke up and he was walking to the police station and to the firing range he's not a human at that point it's hard for me to say um because i for for as a viewer we didn't get anything showing that he had any any recollection of him being murphy other than his face being right there and maybe the top part of his body but um he didn't have the Tom Selleck mustache. He didn't have the Tom Selleck mustache. So for what it's worth, no, I don't know if he was human necessarily in that. I'm survived. I'm surprised he survived or he had any bit of survival in him, even at the hospital, like where, how they were yeah. still working on him. I'm like, he's dead, dude. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a doctor and I know that. <laughs> so. they, they put the, the thing on him and they're squeezing the air into yeah. him. And I'm like, what the hell? How? How? I'm just like, he's... <laughs> He's not alive. <laughs> so, right. I mean, yeah. your brain is basically a computer, right? So, I mean, it's true. Uh, any data that was stored, maybe, I don't know. 
I mean, it's science fiction, obviously, but yeah, um, you know, and he was having to piece together those images. He had that nightmare that triggered the memory. Um, you know, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Computers don't get... have nightmares. All right. Robots don't have nightmares. I, that's the thing, right? How many times has your computer just done some random fucking thing where you're like, well, uh, that's no good. <laughs> Let me every... reboot. Have you tried turning it on and off again? Uh, every because... time there's a Windows update. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's your computer having a stroke inside it. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting to think about. Like, just sometimes like a, a program has like it collapses or it has a freak out or it has a it has a bad day, as it mm. were. Um, you're just like, what what is going on? The ghost of the machine is having a is having a bad day. Well, and we talked about this in the her episode, right? So we it's it seems so taboo or wrong to to be dating your your operating system, but at the same time, it's it's AI and it's learning. And who's to say that that's wrong necessarily? Who's to say she's not human? She has she's making her own thoughts or what we think are her own thoughts. And so I think if you feel that it's human, then you're not wrong necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think plus we're in a simulation. You know, what is art? I guess the important thing would be to define what artificial means to you. Exactly. Does that mean fake. Yeah. Does that mean not real? What is or what does artificial mean to you? And then by defining that, you could then determine uh, the human non-human status. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit too heavy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like watching motion picture shows. I, I get scared when I start thinking about that stuff. <laughs> uh, so by 1993, RoboCop spawned two sequels, one of which you both really enjoy: a TV series from 1994 and a reboot in 2014. Where did they go wrong? Was it a mistake to try and capture lightning in a bottle multiple times? Or do you think it could have worked, but they just botched it? Rob. So I was actually surprised at just how much extra media there was. Like I pulled up the little info box down at the bottom of the Wikipedia page on Robocop. And it's like, my God, there's like two cartoons, two live action shows, reboot trilogy, the NES game, all this stuff. And Holy shit, right? Uh, <laughs> There's even but, a Robocop versus Terminator video game. On yeah, Nintendo. there is. I did the box not know is that. incredible. Yeah, <laughs> the box is all bricked out and everything. It looks like it's from like the future. It's really cool. Yeah, um, like, yeah, like you're saying, I seem to be one of the not huge number of people who actually kind of enjoys Robocop too. I, I know it's a it's a long way from perfect, and it's not the original. And honestly, I didn't actually hate the reboot either, even though it wasn't great. I I didn't hate it um but I, I don't think i can dismiss everything except the first one as being bad or botched there's a little bit of good here and there except for maybe prime directives which was just wall-to-wall terrible uh, <laughs> but i mean uh lightning in a bottle may be the right way to put it overall just because there's a certain magic and a certain spark to the original and i think a lot of that most of that maybe is owed to verhoven who didn't really come back for anything else. You know, he, he had a touch that nobody else has really been able to replicate in quite the same way. So mistake, I don't know, but not quite as good without him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so back to just, I mean, obviously you can take Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt, but a yeah. 90% uh, critical review is pretty impressive. It, it is. It's, I was very surprised when you read it. Yeah, that. that's very, very high. What about you, Zachary? So I like the second one, uh, just like Rob. Um, I think it's, I feel more disturbed in the second one by, again, kind of mundane things like the kid, the the killer kid boss. He's so (laughs) creepy to me 
<laughs> and it's just weird. And then like the nuke, like the drug that you snort, you know, it's yeah. just very odd. Um, I didn't like seeing the main guy's brain inside that robot. Uh, <laughs> in the, the, the glass jar. Or yeah. The, the Kane, fight scene, was that his name? Kane, yeah, there you go. Yeah. The fight scene at the end of that one was really cool because you had Robocop actually fighting, you know, a, a different robot. And that was really neat. That was neat. Yeah. I think that there was... Um, they they missed the mark on what Verhoeven was doing, like like Rob was saying. It, it's this is one of those films that it's just so hard to reboot because or to remake and even reboot. It's 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 trying to catch lightning in a bottle again, and and that's that's difficult, man. So yeah, I I don't know. And the 2014, it had fun moments, I guess, but that was more just like a bang bang shoot 'em up action film. Uh-huh. It's like it's like trying to remake Shawshank Redemption. Like you're you're not gonna do it. It's <laughs> that movie just had such a profound effect on so many people, and it was it was in a class of its own. And I think that's the same with RoboCop. It was a a peak point in action films, and you're like, holy shit, here's the mm-hmm. bar. Yeah, <laughs> wow. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned Shawshank. I forgot I watched that last night too. I love that uh, movie so much. That's, 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 that's a so great. Movie. It's it's almost a perfect. Uh, probably is. I'd say film. it is. It's yeah, just so yeah. goddamn good. We were we were talking about AFI's uh, top one hundred and. I'm arguing that uh, Shawshank will will bump out Citizen Kane one day. <laughs> I think that'll be the number one movie. That's insane too, because Frank Darabont that was his first film he directed. And was it really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, wow, he knocked it out of the fucking park. That is a fantastic film. But Brooks was here. Remember that. He was. <laughs> uh, he's institutionalized. Uh, good or bad, we all have our thoughts on the police. In our lifetime, we have seen increased awareness of abuse of power, unnecessary use of force, wrongful deaths, and obstructions of justice, uh, thanks to use of body cams, mobile phone footage, and social media. We've seen time and time again that humans can't be trusted. Are machines the next step in evolution? Do we need robocops patrolling the streets? Public servants that have to obey three simple prime directives, including serve the public trust, protect the innocent, and uphold the law. What say you? Zach. I think yes to a degree. In terms of policing, we could use sort of like a hybrid system where you have robotics or something like that, uh, or like a Robocop for the sake of this conversation that could handle, you know, the more dangerous stuff. Um, You would probably want to do that to save lives because if there's an active shooter or there's a hostage situation, if you can have your robot cop go in there and bust through a a wall and tackle the guy instead of a a flesh and blood police officer do that, you're going to save some lives. And that's great. It's kind of like drones in the military, even though I don't want to go down that too much because, yeah. But um, I think that there is some sort of safety net with that. I look at it kind of like cars. Self-driving cars, I think, are so important for our future. And I am a, a I live on the West Coast. Seattle drivers are awful, but I drive more like an East Coaster. I get to places where I need to go and I drive fast. Not as fast as Justin, but I drive with a purpose. Um, I can't, <laughs> I'm dropping it. Justin, Justin said it well. It's, people in Seattle and Washington feel like they're on island time. Everyone goes so fucking slow here Ugh. and I don't get it. And so... You take out the human error, like being on your cell phone, being distracted, sitting in the left lane and going 55 or whatever, right? You take out that human error and now you you put a binary zeros and ones in there and a, a calculation that makes things run more efficient. I am all about efficiency and stuff like that. But as someone who wanted to be a police officer many, many years ago, the one thing I'll say is you can't have empathy or sympathy as a as a robot and so 
Justin and I know because we both caught shoplifters all the time uh, back in previous work. Um, when I was working in grocery, I always had a personal rule that if someone was stealing food and it was like a sandwich and some other things and they were homeless, I let them go. I would talk to them. I would give them a resource, say, hey, there's a food bank over here. Please don't come in and steal here. I get what you're trying to do. Like you can keep this stuff, but just you, you got you got to stop stealing from here and like go to this food bank. Now, that's that's a gray area I, I operated in, but a robotic police officer he only sees black and white or he or she only sees black and white. And so that is a crime according to it. So is that, is that automated police officer going to arrest this person stealing $10 worth of food to feed themselves or their family? I think that's where you can run into some issues, but in terms of the very dangerous stuff, I think a a RoboCop would work well. And Detroit was a a perfect setting for this. All right. What about you, Rob? Uh, Actually on along similar lines, but I'm, I'm an, absolutely not on this um <laughs> but, but but for for you know related similar reasons like um as uh long long time ago george carlin did a bit where he was ranting about cops and said something to the effect of what policing needs is honesty and decency and i think a lot of that you can boil down to are you treating people with compassion? And like you were saying, Zach, that's not something that you can program into a machine. Like you said, it's black and white. Is this breaking the law? Is this lawful? Um, so yeah, no, I, I really, really don't think you want to hand law enforcement over to machines at all. And in context of, uh, uh, of this, of the movie of Ed 209s of Robocops, I mean, one of the, big problems with policing is the militarization of police forces. And if that's a problem, I don't think we should be doubling down on it. So yeah, no, I'm an absolutely not. I, well, I just, I think, it, I mean, and, and, and with, with all due respect, just, I, I understand what you're saying completely, but I do know that in certain areas of the U S we obviously love our guns more and love a little more violence in Canada. Um, so it, it, it has, I have seen, you know, with, with COVID and with the, the, uh, the black lives matter thing with how it's pushing the police departments to completely change the way they're doing it. Now I completely agree there it's a systemic issue and there needs to be a change, but some police departments are just like, fine, we're not going to do anything. Right. And so now you walk downtown Seattle and you're like, Holy shit, you got to be strapped when you walk down there. I mean, there's shootings all the time. There's like stabbings. There's fucking people shooting up heroin as you walk by. And it's, I've been in Seattle for 10 plus years and I'm like, it's not that bad. And then when I walk downtown, I'm like, holy shit, it might be kind of bad. So, <laughs> so I think, I think it's area dependent, but I completely agree with you that we, we don't need to be militarizing these, these quasi military organizations. They need to be taking a huge step back, yeah. but in certain settings, I think a RoboCop could work as long as the directive is don't kill anybody. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, maybe I'm just of that mindset. Let's just get Bezos on it. He's a, he's a saint. Oh yeah. Cause he's, yeah. <laughs> he'll make, he'll make it dick shaped and shoot it into the, into the orbit. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you both bring up some interesting points, but that's why, that's why in my questioning, I was like, you know, humans just can't be trusted. There's this systemic issue where it is literally a problem all the way down to its core it's it's hard to trust humans, you know, like in the movies, internal affairs are always the bad guys and 
for, for cops, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. And it's like, they're the ones that are trying to have checks and balances and making sure that these cops aren't you know, <laughs> hurting people and abusing their power and, and, and slipping guns in or taking money. And we're the, we, the viewers, are being told that they're the assholes. They're the bad guys in the movies. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're, I was watching Sicario last night. I was just talking about it, right? Kate, yeah. uh, Kate Maser, she's driving everyone in the house crazy because she just won't get on board with what Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro are trying to do. You know, they're like, they're like, we just need to fucking stir the pot and go over to this country, shoot a bunch of people and call it a day. And she's like a by the book police officer, you know, FBI, whatever. And and she's driving everyone crazy. Like, fuck this bitch. Why can't she just go on board? <laughs> and it's like, no, she's the good guy in this movie. And it's so crazy how how that happens. And I, and I think it's I think it's interesting that, you know, we can watch a movie and, and of course it is a movie. But at, at some point, it is in your in your psyche how you feel about this person, right? And so yeah. I do think that that's interesting that that she is viewed as this this uncooperative bitch <laughs> trying to get the job done, and she's slowing everybody down. And it's like, no, man, she's doing her job. <laughs> so it just kind of made me laugh a little bit. So there you have it. Yeah, man. That's why I mean, Judge Dredd, right? He's judge, jury, and executioner. One person. You know, you're not tried by your peers. You know, you're not, you don't have a chance to well, really, um, what were you going to say? I was going to say, and that's another, it's not Verhoeven, but it's also pretty in your face satire of mm-hmm. the in, over the top law enforcement. Right. But I mean, they're also in a world where what we were doing didn't work. Right. So then they're trying to, to come up with a better solution. This is a, a crime ridden city. There's so much horrible going on that they don't have time to to have court cases and paperwork and all this other bullshit <laughs> and it's it's scary right because what if you're the one oh, that it just, is you just cross the street when you weren't supposed to and if you ever lived in the city nobody follows the fucking oh yeah uh, no. i don't i don't follow him here and i only live <laughs> i live in like a town a uh, city of like 180,000. i don't fucking follow the crosswalk signals <laughs> yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get 80 days in the cubes <laughs> oh man <laughs> Uh, well cool all right then uh so rank your top three paul verhoeven films zach go oh gosh okay so number one is is clearly total recall for me i absolutely love that film and i just it gets better each time i watch it i fucking love it i still i still believe that it's all real it's not a it's not a dream but uh (laughs) that starship troopers and the robocop um starship troopers is one of those ones that grew on me forever i do remember watching it it was funny you know that that meme where it's like anytime I watch an action movie and my parents aren't in the room, it's like shoot them up as soon as the parents walk in the room. It's like <laughs> naked people. Well, yep. the shower scene, we, my brother and I are watching Starship Troopers and my dad just happens to walk right through. He's like, what the hell are you watching? And he has <laughs> turn it off and I'm just like, damn it. <laughs> so, that was the best part. That was the best part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Total Recall, Starship Troopers and Robocop for me. Sweet. What about you, Rob? Um, I'm also putting Total Recall at the top. Uh, I also love that movie, and I really enjoy, uh, I mean, many things about it, but especially the ambiguity of whether it's real, of whether it's not. I think that's Ooh. a really nice touch in that movie. I think they um, teach classes in college if whether it's <laughs> real or not. <laughs> I had a I had a textbook in a first-year philosophy class, uh, The Matrix and Philosophy. 
So oh, wow. yeah, they absolutely do uh, shit like that in, in school. But sure. uh, I mean, there are I'm, people I'm, on this planet right now that think that we are in the simulation and the matrix is real. Yeah, it's uh, it's an old uh, philosophy problem, like like ancient Greece or something like that. I think it's called brain in a jar or something like that. But uh, yeah, so my, my number two is, is this film, RoboCop, because... I mean, we've just been talking about it for like an hour. This movie's a blast. And Starship Troopers coming in at number three. Also a blast, just not quite as much as the other two. All right. That's fun. I'm actually reverse of that. I am Starship Troopers, then RoboCop, then Total Recall. But they are all one. I wouldn't say that any of them suck by any oh, stretch yeah, of the no, imagination. They're all amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just my ranking order. And pre- I can I can watch all three of them right now in a row. I can have them on three TVs all at once and love every <laughs> second of it. Uh, that would just be my preferred order. And I saw all three of those in theaters. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, I was I was lucky. I was so. I was two when RoboCop <laughs> came out. So definitely not. <laughs> oh, man. It's good stuff. Love it, love yeah. it, love it. I remember I remember watching, I saw Total Recall a couple times in the theater. And I was just, as a 10-year-old, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I'm like, I don't get it. My dad's trying to explain it to me. And I'm like, I don't think you get it either, Dad. Open your mind. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. So freaking good. So uh, any last thoughts? Uh, anything that we didn't cover in RoboCop that you would like to discuss? Rob. I don't know about discuss per se, but I mean, there's a bunch of shit in this movie that's just a lot of fun. Like only Red Foreman could make a balding gold frame glasses guy <laughs> named Clarence into an interesting villain. Yeah, he's you know? terrifying. He's terrifying. Yeah. Um, the whole thing with Megacorps being such a big 70s, 80s sci-fi trope, like with Alien and whatnot and how that's, I mean, it was presented as cautionary then, but judging by the world today, nobody listened. Uh, <laughs> True. And I did actually have to pause the movie for a second when I was watching last night because uh, the bit where um, Dick Jones has Clarence Boddicker go kill, uh, I just blanked on his name, Miguel Ferris character. Bob, that's it. And he puts in the Bob video. Morton. He puts in the video. And at the start of the video, he goes, Dick Jones here, as if I can't <laughs> yeah. fucking see you in the video. <laughs> also, what, what are the chances that he had a DVD player right there? Yeah. You know, or like a laser disc player right there? Like, yeah. what, if, what if he got there and he's like, oh, shit, it's upstairs. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Let me drag your body up with me. <laughs> that is cool that it's on a CD, though. Yeah. You know, like the show yeah, technology yeah. He has like this this first rate entertainment yeah. center. Yeah, man. And and the, the music, or, or at least the main theme of this, I know it's kind of got that punchy military beat but that's it's so cool yeah. i love it so, i like it a lot too you know letter grade I, I gotta give this movie an a i love this movie it's so much fun absolutely all right what about you zach yeah i i really enjoy this movie and i'm i'm curious now if i got the uh, x-rated cut uh, i just bought whatever was on voodoo um the the high def which doesn't really make much of a difference because it's an older film and it doesn't look that much better but i absolutely love this movie this is an a for me um it's 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 always worth the rewatches i don't really know if i know anybody who doesn't like paul verhoeven yeah. maybe they just don't get yeah. it if they, if, if they don't really get it was the aspect ratio weird for you guys on your uh, no, no mine. well i was watching on disc too so okay mm. Yeah, did I did start and say RoboCop here. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love Ronnie Cox. That guy is such a badass. He's great. He yeah. always yeah. plays such assholes. It's so good. I, I yeah. love it. Except in, in um in Beverly Hills Cop, he's not a bad guy, you know. He's uh-huh. 
he's a heart he's ass, a, but he has a heart of gold after that too. Yeah, you like, know, I mean, he's straight up lies uh, at the end. <laughs> you know, he doesn't yeah. really act anymore. He's decided he's a musician and he tours around with his country band. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wasn't yeah, he in was Star Trek or something like that for a hot minute? Uh, yeah. In yeah, I've been watching Star Trek. He was in a, a two-parter in Next Gen. Way way yeah, back. He's an admiral. Uh, no, he was the captain who took over command of the Enterprise when uh, Picard got captured. But no, when he yeah. got captured by Cardassians. Uh, oh, that's right! Like the four, there are four lights. Yes, yes, yeah. those ones. And that guy's the angry butler from fucking Titanic. That's uh, David Warner. He's been in a bazillion things. Yeah. Was he in Jumanji yeah. too? In Ninja He's Turtles too. In Jumanji. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ninja Turtles too. I forgot about that. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of a different guy completely. Ah. Yeah, he's Bogomil in um, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think he still takes an acting gig now and then, but I think at this point he's like, I'm a musician. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw him in something where he was really old. I don't remember what it was. It might have been like it was Dexter. That's what. Has it was. He, yeah, has he, he ever he looked young? Dexter. Well, I mean, he looked. Yeah. He looked like. Uh, He's like Robert Duvall. <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised. I mean, I hate to say it, but he just looks, he looks really unwell, I guess. Uh, okay. how I should probably say it. Uh, that's too bad. Um, I look unwell sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he just looked gaunt. I don't know if that's, uh, that might be the right word for it. He looked gaunt. Gaunt. <laughs> Could be like Voldemort's dad. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, but yeah. He, oh, he was in uh, Being the Ricardos. Wow, so he is still okay. working. He was a he was a recurring villain in uh, Stargate as well. Oh yeah, Stargate. as an asshole senator. I could I could buy that. I'd yeah. buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh jeez. Well, cool. What are your final thoughts on Letter Grade, Justin? Uh, yeah, absolutely love this movie. It's it is set the standard for me for what is acceptable violence on film. <laughs> And uh, I I can't go back. I I is it is one of those things where what like the whole phrase I can't unsee it. Mm. That is that is RoboCop for me. Is like I can't unsee it, and I just I love it to death. I thought Peter Weller was a total badass. I started watching all the movies that he was in, like Leviathan. I actually really enjoy that movie. It's pretty terrible, but I actually really mm. like it. Uh, I'm a fan of Peter Weller. Um, He's also done and Star so, Trek, and it's because of RoboCop. Yeah. And he's he, also in Dexter. He's also in Dexter too. Yeah. He was like a private investigator or whatever. Yeah. He's a creep. Yeah, he was a real creep. He got murdered in a van or something. It's yeah. been a while. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and he was in that other movie, like Scanners. Is that a movie? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, where they like tag your, your brain head. or whatever. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. The guy's like, get off my back. <laughs> he's, he's yelling. That. <laughs> Talk about box art for films that'll terrify you. I, I we'd go to my local video store and see that, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't like it. I don't know what that is. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> no, sir, I don't like it. No, uh, but no, Robocop's fucking bad. The music's really cool. I even like it when they pull out of the parking garage and the bottom mm-hmm. of the car sparks. bottoms out and the sparks fly. Yeah. There's something about that just kind of sets the tone for me. Like, yeah, we're gonna go, we're on a mission. We're gonna get some bad guys, and <laughs> I just I really dig it. I like. I like, fuck you. I work for Dick Jones. You know, I, I love everything about that. Like, Dick Jones. Like, he's supposed to be this really tough guy, but he just he just rolls over on his belly. He's just I like, I work totally... for Dick Jones. Number <laughs> two guy at OCP. They run the cops. You're a cop. Oh, my God. I love that. Like, wow, that was easy. I think um, 
real quick too actually I, I forgot to say it too when we were talking about the police thing one thing that that really sparked me too was the the fourth fourth directive saying you won't hurt senior executives of ocp i think that was kind of a a way of verhoven saying the rich think that they are untouchable sure. and unfortunately yeah. like, you know they can get away with so many crimes which is it kind of mirrors how it is now how it's been for quite a while where you know, you bankrupt this entire company, you do whatever, but you get a slap on the wrist sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much bullshit. But Verhoeven knew that too, which that's I think yeah, is above the law, right? That's yeah. a good point. I didn't I didn't think of that, but that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. So and because huh. he, he says that, you know, he's like it's ingrained, and as soon as you're fired, like it's not like there was any resolution at the end of it. It's not like those directives were taken away from Murphy. It's just they fired Dick Jones, and so it's like, yeah, you can't hurt any senior executives, but he's not a senior executive anymore, so <laughs> It's like now he's he's uh, susceptible to to a killing. <laughs> um, very odd. But uh, I get what he was saying. And I thought it was so poignant of Verhoeven to be like, this is how I'm going to end my movie. No right. change has occurred. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't have to wait for an exit interview or filling out the HR oh, paperwork. God. Oh, man. Yeah. Your pension. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how that goes. I don't. But yeah, I, I would give this movie an A. Absolutely love it. I mean, I give all three of those movies. I, yeah. I don't know what I reviewed Total Recall ages ago, but just talking about it and thinking about it and loving it so much, because uh, we did do an episode on Total Recall. I, I do think it's an A. Um, so is Starship Troopers. I love all three of those films. Me but too. It would. Um, this one goes down as a pretty remarkable film. Love it. Cool. Excellent. Okay. And that's all I got. Sweet. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. We always love your insight. It's always great to, you know, chat up these films with you and talk about how The Matrix Resurrections is your favorite. It's (laughs) it's just absolutely fantastic. So where can we find you on the social media sphere? Well, thank you for having me back. First of all, I always have fun doing this. Uh, You can find me out in the social medias on Twitter at uh, at Digi1701. Like the Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. Because I am a huge nerd. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't watch Battlestar Galactica. So I, don't know. <laughs> yeah. I heard this guy dogs, Lando, Lando Calrissian. He fought, yeah. he fought Voldemort. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> he did. Uh, okay, cool. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at edgy armo and at zach dale 60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show heck you can even share your movie suggestions with us just please remember to make them streaming now we are super fans <laughs> and we bought this movie so i know that's kind of a caveat but uh it's okay um we we are big fans of it and it's definitely one that i thought i owned previously but apparently it didn't if you love the show, even if you don't like it, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or leave <laughs> us a whatever-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love the feedback. Thank you so much to anybody who's listened and participated over the past few years. It's been a hoot. Additionally, uh, there is another podcast you should check out, the Geek Legacy Podcast with Justin, Randy, and David. It is very funny, and I miss them. So maybe someday. A guy can dream, right? Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you.